Who are you? You could talk about where you've come from, all the places that you've lived, and all the all the experiences that you've had. You can talk about your family, your friends, how they perceive you, and how you relate to them. You could talk about your education, your career, and your skills. Certainly, those may be a part of who you are. But who you are is so much more than the sum of your experiences and how people perceive you. Who you are has to do with your soul. It's the core of your identity. I think this can be a pretty difficult concept for a TCK to grapple with, who's grown up in a highly mobile and multicultural context. Because not only do they need to understand how others perceive them, but there's a cultural translation process that goes along with that. They need to understand how they are viewed. In different contexts,、um, who am I、um, in America? Who am I in Canada? Who am I overseas? Who am I at school? Who am I at home versus who am I when I'm standing with my family in the front of a church representing our ministry? We're going to be speaking a little bit about TCKs and identity today, and I've invited Darcy Neely to come on the show and join us. She's a TCK herself, and she is a cultural trainer and educator. So she knows a lot about this experience, and she's helped a lot of people work with、um, finding their identity and understanding who they are. Thank you for joining us, and let's get started. So, like after you had turned eighteen.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's been a lot of years. Just kind of, I think as I've processed it, I was just looking for something that would make me feel like I belonged. Right. That I had a sense of purpose, and it wasn't really until I went to college later. That I kind of started processing some of my missionary kid stuff and my certain culture kid stuff and you know family of origin stuff、mm-hmm. and then I heard of a job in Colorado and I moved here、mm-hmm. and worked with Mission Training International and kind of started processing all of my story.、Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's、mm-hmm. so typical of TCKs. I hear that their two experiences are that once they you know graduate high school, move back to the states and that kind of thing. Um, their history of their history of moving frequently in their childhood and developmental years causes them to grow wings or roots, and like you know they grow roots and they're like 
I've moved my whole life and I am done, gosh darn it. I'm going to get a house and fill it with stuff. Or <laughs> they kind of like, they feel comfortable moving around and always being on the go and being in transition, you know, building new relationships, seeking out new adventures, going to, you know, traveling to new places, that kind of thing. So I feel like that's so typical of um, the TCK experience. Yeah. It, yeah. And I found that um, I even find this now, it's kind of hard because I've been here for seven years, which is the longest I've lived anywhere yeah. other than Brazil with my family. But yeah. th there's a little bit of a high in a new relationship. There's a little right. bit of a, yeah. there's almost a high connected to it. Like they don't know my whole story. I can kind of be whatever. Yeah. And then two or three years in, you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't really know what to do now. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I find myself in that position a lot here. I I feel like also there's a high in just getting to tell your story and share um, you know, share your story with someone for the first time. And so, I feel like uh -huh. for me that's very attractive in the whole moving process. Like these are all people who right. don't know me and I get to like introduce myself again. This is awesome. Mhm. Mm they're going to be so amazed at my story and I get to <laughs> you know, tell all these things again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. it can be unhealthy turn I think too but then again so can moving one place and filling your house with stuff and right right yeah you know. sure that's kind of where I'm at now I've been working with MKs and TCKs for probably about 10 years mm -hmm. um, and I'm still I'm, I still find pieces of my own story that I need to process because it takes a while especially when I spent 15 years kind of running from the realities of who I was and what my heartaches were and right, right. my struggles and stuff like that, yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah. and you had said that uh, you moved to Brazil when you were, what, six years old? Uh, six, yeah. Okay, and then moved mm -hmm. out when you were 18, so that's a good, you know, 12 years in Brazil. Um, so yeah. much of your identity growing up must have been um, being a TCK and stuff. Do you feel like that has always been a significant part of your identity, or has that changed at all over over time since you moved away from Brazil? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I've been having a lot of conversations with some some other MKs, TCKs that are my age, and when I when I moved to Brazil, it was it, it was kind of later enough in the whole missionary world that we knew the word MK, like we knew what missionary kids were. Yeah, we weren't like aware to process the challenges and weaknesses and the, the the joys and the the positives. But I, I think my parents, we at least had a name, Missionary Kid, was kind of, we knew that some of the feelings and stuff associated with what we were going through was because we were a missionary kid. But on the other hand, there wasn't, um, there wasn't this, this feeling that we try to promote now of like, your kid is just your kid. They're mm -hmm. not, um, part they're not your minute they're not they're not missionaries they're your kids mm, you know so we mm -hmm. kind of were missionaries yeah ourselves and at, at six years old you don't really have the maturity and capacity to be a missionary so right um, i think i grew up knowing i was a missionary i went to an international school and there were a lot there are a few other missionary kids there but the rest of them were you know diplomat kids or their parents had businesses volvo coca-cola that kind of stuff yeah sure um so i always knew that i wasn't it was different and i had a lot of like my, my best friend was brazilian and we spent a lot of times with a lot of our time with the local church mm. so 
so I had, I was very much a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I moved back, you know, I, this mission organization I kind of worked with at 18, they also knew the term missionary kit, but there was no, um, like debriefing process. There was no, there was nothing in place to help me and the other missionary kid that was in the group kind of process our story. Mm. So I kind of just hung my hat on an MK. I kind of put any struggles, any, um, significant issues, any insecurities. I just hung it on the missionary kid hat because (laughs) that's just, it was an easy escape for me, I think. Right. And then when I moved to the States, I didn't really, it was hard for me to reconcile the the God I knew in Brazil to the churches I was experiencing in the States. Mm. So I kind of just thought, well, God just didn't, he's not, he he didn't come with me. He just stayed in Brazil. And Mm, so it was easy for me to blame the churches and kind of walk away from the whole God thing because it was just so different here. And I don't, I don't know that I knew how to process and deal with that disappointment and the heartache. So I just didn't. Um, so I, I, for a long time, I didn't even identify as an, as an MK because the people I was around, they didn't really, they did it wasn't like, it wasn't a badge of honor. So I just kind Mm -hmm. of would say I grew up in Brazil and that's kind of what I stuck to. But yeah, about five years ago, my parents moved back to the States. Yeah. Six or five or six years ago, my parents moved back to the States. So Mm -hmm. they kind of took what was. Um, what was our home in Brazil, and so that was gone. Mm-hmm. So I think that began the process of me really thinking, like, really, who am I, and where now am I tethered to? Because this isn't this mm-hmm. is no longer an option. Mm-hmm. But I think it really kind of hit the fan when I went back to Brazil about three years ago, and I just realized there are so many values and um just a whole system of beliefs that Brazil has that I, I can't get on board with. Yeah. And that felt like a huge loss for me. Yeah. And, and I came back just furious because I mm. felt like someone had taken this, this whole identity away from me and they, they never asked me if they could take it and they just took it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of began this process of me, um, kind of unmerging my identity with being an MK anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I'm a missionary kid. I was. I, I, I clearly am still a third culture kid because, <laughs> you know, by the by the definition, I fit that definition. Right. But I, I no longer um, I no longer identify as an MK. Mm-hmm. And honestly, TCK doesn't come up but like it'll come out eventually that I grew up in Brazil, but it's not really what I lead with anymore. Yeah, right. It's just kind of part of the process um, right. of of gaining a, a different identity, and, and I feel like the the Lord, He really kind of put me through a process of, and He still is of stripping away the different parts that I identified with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm really left with nothing except Him. If mm-hmm. there's not, if He's not the source of my identity, then everything else is just fleeting. It's just, right. it'll be taken away. So, right. yeah. yeah. I've just met other people my age who would still identify as missionary kids because their parents are, are overseas. And I'm still kind of in that debate with myself of whether it is something you kind of grow out of or not. Mm. And I think it's just different for each of us. But 
But for yeah. me, it wouldn't have been healthy to stay in that identity. Yeah. So how would you describe identity to a TCK who comes back from the field and in the first year or two of their time in the States, they say, I am a missionary kid and I am a TCK mm -hmm. and I am a Christian. Mm -hmm. How would you describe identity to someone like that? Um, yeah, I've, I've kind of developed this module. I think you saw a little bit of it when, I mean, you saw the whole thing at, um, at the transition seminar, but right. I use helium balloons and I kind of name these different ways we identify ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, MK, daughter, mm -hmm. son, sister, friend. Um, and I kind of talk about my experience is the truth of those, those parts of our identity. Mm -hmm. Um, they grow and they change over time. And, yeah. and regardless of whether you still call yourself an MK, that balloon will change. Sometimes right. it will be cut off and it'll go away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll get smaller. So if you move back to where you grew up or a different place, it'll get bigger. I mean, it will just change over time. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what was happening and what is happening is because we have sent out and, you know, I, I, I find that I'm, I was part of this, um, what I think has become problematic, but we've told these kids, you are MKs. This is who you are. This is what you'll struggle with. Mm -hmm. This is the difficulty of, of the life that you have. And so they've, they've tethered their identity to this concept that they're an MK. So when they come back to the States or they come to the States for the first time or they go through any kind of transition process, yeah. there's an identity crisis there right. because... Right that MK um, helium balloon, so to speak, isn't staying where it should stay. And so it rattles, it rattles us mm. and it rattles our sense of identity and how we contribute to the world around us and how we've learned to be a good MK and be loved and love others. And so right. we come back to the States or whatever we do and it's, it's changed and we're kind of untethered now all of a sudden. Yeah. And so I really encourage the MKs I talk to. But yeah, an MK is definitely part of that experience and part of your experience. And it's given you memories and joys and pains and struggles. But it is not who you are. I mean, I even think with all of these, the gender identity stuff that's going on. Yeah. It's all part of our experience, but it's not who we are. Right. And there are certain truths in Scripture Mm -hmm. that we can hold on to yeah that say that we are a child of god mm -hmm. and what i what i what i try to get across them when i'm doing this helium balloon activity i i have a rock at the bottom and as i cut off the balloons telling my story the different ways in which the lord has kind of stripped identity away from me right. there's one thing that remains if you have that um that rock holding the balloons together mm -hmm. then the balloons will they'll stay in place or they'll go or they'll be cut off or they'll grow or whatever, but the rock stays the same. Mm -hmm. And if that's not who we're, we're rooted in, then we're going to be kind of all over the place, just like those helium balloons. And as I cut the balloons, they kind of go all over the ceiling. And I tell them, like, if you tie your whole identity to one of these balloons, then it will be floating around the ceiling. That's just <laughs> inevitable. That's yeah. how we we work. And so, 
you know, how I explain identity is that there's a certain way, there's a unique form in which they've each been made, and that won't change. God has created them a certain way, and they are a beloved child of God, and that will never change no matter how insane and crazy and hopeless they feel. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and sometimes they don't, you know, they don't believe in God, and they are struggling with their faith, and Mm-hmm. I say, well, whether you identify as a child of God or not, you're you're still loved and you're still created, and right. that will never change, yeah. and everything else will change. So I, I try to move them away from the concept that that's who they are. Mm-hmm. I am an MK. I am this. I am that. Mm-hmm. Because those things will change. We live in a world where those things change all the time. Yeah, and I I didn't I didn't have my identity tethered to that one, to the rock, and yeah, right. and and I was all over the place. Right. So I've experienced it. So when I'm when I'm talking to them, it's you know, and when someone just gets back from college, eighteen years old, nineteen years old, I'm not. They're they're seeking independence. They're, you know, they're they're putting their answers out there, and they're seeing how the world relates to it, and. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tricky time. I don't know that I would have been able to hear it when I was 18 years old, but as I've gone through the process, um, that's what I've learned to be true. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just a couple of uh, months ago, I saw this family come in, um, a missionary family was visiting the church that I was attending, and they took their kids up to the front of the stage with them and said, you know, we are a missionary family. And I kind of just cringed a little bit, um, mm-hmm. trying not to be too visible about it. And they said, we do ministry together as a family. This is what our family does. And mm-hmm. I just thought, I don't know if that's necessarily true or healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I can definitely understand that, like, anyone in any vocation, if they are proud of their vocation, they want their kids to be proud of that too and to be involved in some respect. You know, I was just talking to a fisherman and he was talking about how he loved taking his kids out on the ocean with him and take them fishing and stuff. And that's great. Um, but there's also this inherent danger of if we are a missionary family um, and if your kids are missionaries too, I don't know, like, can they still be kids, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what if they're seriously emotionally upset about the whole process? What if they don't like living overseas? Mm-hmm. And then what if they have mm-hmm. to leave suddenly? Are they no longer missionaries? And, like, if that's mm-hmm. if you've made that a part of their identity, then um, how is that going to how is that going to affect them when that changes dramatically? You know, absolutely. Yeah, I, I see that all the time, and I see it a lot in the young adults I talk to who have who have left the faith. I mean, I don't even like saying left the faith because I really do feel like people who struggle with their faith are just being honest. I think we all yeah. struggle, but come on. That's um, right. You know, and I'll talk to parents who are like, you know, my kid doesn't, he's not walking with the Lord. And I kind of go back into the story and I say, well, did they want to leave in the first place? And yeah. And a lot of times they didn't, they didn't want to go to the field. So here's this child without the um, maturity and understanding of God mm-hmm. to understand what he asks of us. And, and now they're, they're going to the field and they don't want to, but they're right. going to go help other people. Right. But exactly. they've verbalized, I don't want to go and I don't feel God is calling me. And so now they're having to grapple with this concept that God doesn't hear them and he doesn't really care what they want or don't want. But none of this is being verbalized. So they go to the field, 
you know, they they do whatever. They'll just, you know, they'll become part of the mission. But then they, there's now this, like, inherent concept within their being that God doesn't care what they want. They are here to serve others. And so when they come back to the States, we're even finding that a lot of young adults who have left the church or the Lord or the walk, however you want to put it, they're still so passionate about social justice. Right. They love people yeah. and they love helping, but they can't, it's like they they can't reconcile that with this God who would make them give up their hearts to go to something they want to do. And so, yeah, I think there is a danger in saying we're missionaries because some of those kids don't want to do that. And so there has to be a lot of conversation and a lot of understanding and I was just speaking recently with um he's a counselor his name's Tim Sanford he wrote a really good book actually you should I don't know if you I shouldn't shit on you but it's called, <laughs> I have to be perfect and it's for pastor kid and missionary kid it's so great but it's basically the myths we believe about ourselves mm-hmm. because of being in the missionary world and he was saying that a lot of times when he's meeting with parents he'll find you know, the kid, the kid's really struggling. And he says, well, what, what stops you from stopping the whole process and saying, one of our family members isn't on board here. Let's mm-hmm. push this. Let's, let's talk about what's happening. Let's ask the Lord if this is really what he wants. Yeah. And, and sometimes they won't. And he says, are you, are you afraid that like God can't handle your questions? And are, is it more about calling? Is it more about ego? And that's a really big question. And it, right. it you know, right. it's, it's a hard question, but I think it's a good question. Like, are, are we are we going because our ego is calling us to minister somewhere or because God really is calling us? Because if God's calling you, he'll bring that transparency and clarity in your children. And I just think sometimes people say, well, kids are resilient. They'll be fine. But that's not true. They, they just don't know how to – they don't know how to verbalize the fears, the – anger the so it comes out in in defiance and then that's right. disciplined and then it, it just none of it's spoken right does that make right. sense yeah i feel absolutely. like i just covered a lot of different topics there but yeah i'm not sure that's um that's fair to the kids to be hurled into a missionary position without the maturity to understand suffering and understand transition and yeah. understand the commission and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I think even for kids who are aware that it's going to be difficult and they're on board and everything, you know, you still incur grief um, and loss. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's always grief and loss when you're moving around a lot, um, let alone the environmental factors that come to play and living in a high stress yeah. context. Um, so there's always that, and it it can you can use those to grow closer together as long as you're willing and able to process the grief and the loss, and just um, like you say, be honest about it and communicate about it, and listen to your kids and um, stuff like that. But um, even for kids who want to be you know missionary kids, so to speak, um, I think that can be hard. And so I you know I think that's yeah. very wise what you're saying. Yeah, I think too often. I, um the same guy, Tim Sanford, and I heard someone else say this. I was presenting at a conference called PTM last week, and I heard someone say a missionary once told them that that our children are to be the sacrifices on the altar of ministry. Oh, man. And there's not always a ram in the thicket. Mm. And I think, I think that's um, 
I don't think that's biblical. I think, yeah. I think for sure, if you're a parent, I can say wholeheartedly with no doubt, you are called to be a parent. Right. Now, as far as calling yeah, to be a missionary, word. I don't know. But if you have kids, you're called to be a parent. And that means not sacrificing them. Right. I don't know that God is actually asking people to sacrifice their children for the mission field. Right. I so, mean, I'll have to go back and look, but I don't remember reading that in my Bible either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Abraham Isaac story is in there, but I don't, I don't know that we can apply that to mission yeah, work. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. um, again, you said it was Tim Sanford, and his book was, uh, was it I Shouldn't Be Perfect? I have to be perfect. Oh, I have to be perfect. Okay, even better. Yeah, I like it. it's the preacher's kid manual of the holy heresies you may have grown up with and how to find your way back to the truth. Okay. Nice. Um, it's really sarcastic, so I have to warn you. Like, I love it for that reason. <laughs> it's very honest, but he just cuts right to the core of what people have told us and what we believe to be true. Yeah. Um, and I know when I moved over, when we moved to Brazil, I was I was being pretty severely bullied by my entire first grade class, mm. and I never told anyone. Mm -hmm. I never told my parents, and I just started promising the kids things so they would like me again, and it kind of just turned into this this thing I started believing about myself. Like, I'm here. I am an instrument. I'm a tool. I'm a tool of, of God. And I think the danger is that we learn to be instruments of God before we learn that we're loved by God. Right. And and I, I'm not sure how well that plays out yeah. in the future. That's a good word. Yeah. And, you know, kids don't have full understanding of grief and loss and transition. So right. when the parents move overseas, the best example I've heard is, like, you know, a dog dies the parents know over time it will heal. Maybe you'll get a new dog. You'll, mm -hmm. you'll feel good again. But for the kid, that's it. Like that dog is dead. There's no after because this is the first time they're experiencing that kind of pain. Right. And I think that's true too. When you go overseas, I think there's a tendency to be the parents to say, it's fine. You'll make new friends. You'll, you'll be able to love again. You'll find new things you like about this culture. But what that does is it kind of just tells them, like, your old friends don't matter. What you spent mm. here doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's We're going to replace it. Because they don't, they don't, there's no concept for a little, for a little mind that there's a future after because they don't have that in their, in their experience. Right. And even though, so yeah, and even though they do move on and do have new experiences, I've heard uh, TCKs describe uh, the grief and loss that they've experienced as an injury, like a physical injury, in that yeah. um, when you get cut, you know, that will heal, but you'll probably always live with a scar. While you'll have new experiences and grow new skin, um, you still have that scar and that memory that um, a part of you is uh, a part of you is missing or something happened there that, you know, you always have this constant reminder of the loss that occurred. Well, thank you, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast and sharing your story, Darcy. And mm, um, thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Next, next, I want, definitely want to have you back, and I'd love to hear more about the concept of um, not shitting on each other. I think that was that was a brilliant thing. So, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Okay, and thank you for listening. In. Hey, if you're listening to this today and you are a TCK, I just want to affirm that you are more than the sum of your experiences. You are more than um, 
You may feel like you are in your family. You are more than your friends have asked you to be. Um, you are, first and foremost, who God says you are. And I believe that God says quite clearly that you are loved. You are not God's tool. You are God's child. The difference being that when a tool is used, it's either thrown out or put back in the drawer. But a child, while he has a job to do, belongs in the family. He's a part of the family. and He doesn't have to work to earn it. It's his by right. So thank you very much for listening, and stay tuned for more great content coming up next.